If I told you that a secret cabal of powerful elites engaged in a conspiracy to change election rules, laws, to manipulate information in order to prevent the victory of Donald Trump, well, I'd get banned from YouTube. I mean, they'd probably take this video down. Twitter would probably suspend me for a day. And Facebook has already restricted my page for unknown reasons. So I'm not saying that. Time magazine is, and I'm 100% serious. An article titled titled The Secret History of the Shadow Campaign That Saved the 2020 Election. Time magazine literally describes it as a cabal of powerful elites across industry and ideology engaging in a conspiracy to manipulate information, to suppress information, to change the rules, to ensure the proper outcome is delivered. The proper outcome. Some people have said, wow, I can't believe they're saying the quiet part loud. And I'm just saying, I mean, it's brazen, but they're admitting it. You know, look, before the election, I had been saying that Democrats were rigging the game. And I'm not I'm not saying anything illegal occurred. What I'm saying is there's rules in an election and the Democrats changed those rules in many ways that favored them. If we're running in a race and then you make a rule that, you know, imagine a horse race. okay? if you make a rule saying that your horse is allowed to leave the, you know, the stable or whatever, or whatever it's called, the, the holding pen. They're allowed to start running five seconds before everyone else. I'd say, dude, you're rigging the game so you can win. You're changing the rules. You can't call it breaking the rules when the rules were changed to benefit them. So I'd been saying that they've been rigging this. Well, they're coming out and admitting it. It is one of the most shocking things I have ever read. They claimed in the media that they needed mail-in voting because of COVID. In fact, mail-in voting start, voting started getting implementing implemented well before COVID. October 2019, for instance, in Pennsylvania, when they violated, in my opinion, the constitution of the state and then eventually the constitution of the federal government. The constitution of Pennsylvania provides for how absentee ballots can be delivered. Or, 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 I'm sorry, how absentee ballots can be cast as a narrow ruling. Republicans and Democrats changed the rules to allow mail-in voting. But at first, they wanted to create universal absentee. When they realized it would violate the Constitution, they stopped. They, they, they were actually planning on changing and, and amending the Constitution. Instead, they just altered some language in the, in the bill to make it legal. When they were sued over this, a judge said that this would go to a higher court, it was being appealed, and that this lawsuit would likely win on the merits that it was unconstitutional to change this law. At the higher court in Pennsylvania, they dismissed it on standing. Uh, I'm sorry, I think they dismissed it on latches, actually, saying that the lawsuit was brought too late. The bill had already been passed and it's been way too late. Not merit. Meaning, not only did a secret cabal, according to Time magazine, conspire to prevent Trump from winning, but the rule changes that were brought about were unconstitutional. And many Republicans assert that as much. In order to change the rules of an election, a state legislature must approve it. But they say around 24 states change the election rules without permission from their legislature, notably the key states that Donald Trump needed in order to win. They're just telling us this. Let's read this article. I'm going to go through the whole thing. Before we do, my friends, go to TimCast.com and become a member, please. We are creating members only content. 
as uh, we're putting together this website, we're going to be expanding because I will likely be banned. I mentioned my Facebook's already restricted. You hear me say this in almost every video, so I apologize, but it's true. They're telling us now what I would get banned for saying. They are publishing in the news that when I would have said something similar a month ago, they would have banned my channel. And now they're just saying it. You see how the game is rigged. Over at TimCast.com, we can say, for the most part, whatever we want. So we swear, we talk about conspiracies. We have a a new segment, it's about 20 minutes long, talking about Navy technology. They've reported engineering the fabric of reality. There's a lot of really interesting conversations. We talk about trafficking and things YouTube doesn't want us to talk about. In the event I do get banned on YouTube, which seems likely, we will still have content up at TimCast.com, and we will still be expanding new websites and and, and, and new shows, etc. So go there. Don't forget to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. So long as I am able to produce on YouTube, I will. Let's read the story from Time Magazine. The secret history of the shadow campaign that saved the 2020 election. A weird thing happened right after the November 3rd election. Nothing. The nation was braced for chaos. Liberal groups had vowed to take the streets, planning hundreds of protests across the country. Right-wing militias were girding for battle. In a poll before Election Day, 75% of Americans voiced concern about violence. Instead, an eerie quiet descended. As President Trump refused to concede, the response was not mass action, but crickets. When media organizations called the race for Joe Biden on November 7th, jubilation broke out instead. As people thronged cities across the U.S. to celebrate the democratic process that resulted in Trump's ouster. Let me just stop right there. First point. These people who are celebrating were jumping up and down in close, uh, close proximity to each other, many taking off their masks and sharing champagne bottles. But we were told throughout the year that COVID was dangerous and we couldn't do this. When Trump supporters went out and protested the lockdowns, they were called, you know, they were called really, really awful things. Uh, certain words I can't say on, on YouTube. You see how the censorship works. They were called horrifying names. They, they said that they were threatening the safety and security of the country and that they'll go down in history as awful people. But when the left went out and protested, it was defended. Studies emerged saying that the, the Black Lives Matter actually reduced the spread of COVID. Special rules were given to the left to espouse their ideology and special rules enacted to stop Trump supporters. And they admit all of it. They say a second odd thing happened amid Trump's attempts to reverse the results. Corporate America turned on him. Hundreds of major business leaders, many of whom had backed Trump's candidacy and supported his policies, called on him to concede. To the president, something felt amiss. Quote, it was all very, very strange, Trump said on December 2nd. Within days after the election, we witnessed an orchestrated effort to anoint the winner, even while many key states were still being counted. In a way, Trump was right. Are you ready for this, my friends? Quote, There was a conspiracy unfolding behind the scenes, one that both curtailed the protests and coordinated the resistance from CEOs. Both surprises were the result of an informal alliance between left wing activists and business titans. The pact was formalized in a tense, little noticed joint statement of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and AFL-CIO published on Election Day. Both sides would come to see it as a sort of implicit bargain inspired by the summer's massive, sometimes destructive racial justice protests in which the forces of labor came together with the forces of capital to keep the peace and oppose Trump's assault on democracy. The handshake between business and labor was just one component of a vast cross-partisan campaign to protect the election, an extraordinary shadow effort dedicated not to winning the vote, but to ensuring 
it would be free and fair, credible and uncorrupted. For more than a year, a loosely organized coalition of operatives scrambled to sharp America's institutions as they came under simultaneously simultaneous attack from a remorseless pandemic and an autocratically inclined president. Though much of this activity took place on the left, it was separate from the Biden campaign and crossed ideological lines with crucial contributions by nonpartisan and conservative actors. The scenario, the shadow, uh, the, the scenario, the shadow campaigners were desperate to stop was not a Trump victory. It was an election so calamitous that no result could be discerned at all. A failure of the central act of democratic self-governance that has been a hallmark of America since its founding. Their work touched every aspect of the election. They got states to change voting systems and laws and helped secure hundreds of millions in public and private funding. They fended off voter suppression lawsuits, recruited armies of poll workers, and got millions of people to vote by mail for the first time. I'll pause here. They say the goal wasn't to stop a Trump. They said that they were not desperate to stop a Trump victory. They wanted to make sure there was no situation where there was no result at all, where we wouldn't know who the winner was. That's a lie. Uh, the left was not advocating to prevent an, an election where we didn't know who the winner was. I mean, you could say that's sort of the result, the, the, the goal, but they literally say they were changing voting systems. They were trying to get people to vote by mail. The vote by mail that came in at four in the morning in all of these jurisdictions was like 95% for Joe Biden. So forgive me if I am of the opinion that the evidence suggests they were seeking to stop a Trump victory. They go on to say, They successfully pressured social media companies to take a harder line against disinformation and use data driven strategies to fight viral smears. How would that have prevented an election where no one knew what the winner was? Stopping people from learning about the Hunter Biden story before the election. They did that. They suppressed the story. And then after the election, they admitted it was real. What what, what does that have to do with anything? All that did was help Joe Biden. They say they go on. They executed national public awareness campaigns that helped Americans understand how the vote count would unfold over days or weeks, preventing Trump's conspiracy theories and false claims of victory from getting more traction. You see, they were trying to prevent Trump from winning. They go on to say after Election Day, they monitored every pressure point to ensure that Trump could not overturn the results. The untold story of the election is the thousands of people of both parties who accomplished the triumph of American democracy at its very foundation, says Norm Eisen a prominent lawyer and former Obama administration official who recruited Republicans and Democrats to the board of the voter protection program. For Trump and his allies were running their own campaign to spoil the election. The president spent months insisting that mail ballots, mail ballots were a Democratic plot and the election would be rigged. His henchmen at the state level sought to block their use, while his lawyers brought dozens of spurious suits to make it more difficult to vote. An intensification of the GOP's legacy of suppressive tactics. Now, I want to point something out. If you're on the right, you can clearly see this as an attempt to stop Trump from winning. If you're on the left, they say it's an attempt to protect the integrity of the election. The reality is it was about power for both sides. And the reality is Time magazine said a cabal. I'm not kidding. They actually say the word cabal conspired to change the rules. I'm not I'm, I'm, I'm not OK with that. I am absolutely not OK with that. We have rules. We agree to the rules. We play the game. The Democrats and Republicans together changed the rules to prevent Trump from winning. The will of the people was Donald Trump. They did everything in their power to make sure that did not happen. Now, in the end, for a variety of reasons, Joe Biden got more votes. 
There's some interesting video emerging that maybe we'll get into later as this evidence uh, starts to come out that corroborates some of the claims made by poll uh, by uh, vote tabulation watchers, observers that call into question a lot. We still don't have definitive evidence, so I'm going to refrain from saying too much. But I have personally seen some of these videos and I find them to be, well, it's nightmarish to say the least. What I can tell you is I'm shocked Time Magazine published this and well, let's read more. They say, The democracy campaigners watch with alarm. Every week we felt like we were in a struggle to try and pull off this election without the country going through a real dangerous moment of unraveling, says former GOP rep Zach Womp, a Trump supporter who helped coordinate a bipartisan election protection council. We can look back and say this thing went pretty well, but it was not at all clear in September and October that it was going to be the case. This is the inside story. Here we go. Of the conspiracy. Do you know what a conspiracy is? Conspiracy typically works, uh, uh, is defined as people, you know, uh, working in secret to engage in some kind of outcome. And it typically refers to a crime. They say it's the conspiracy to save the 2020 election based on access to the group's inner workings. Never before seen documents and interviews with dozens of those involved from across the political spectrum. It is the story of an unprecedented, creative and determined campaign whose success also reveals how close the nation came to disaster. Every attempt to interfere with the proper outcome of the election was defeated. Proper outcome? What does that mean? Proper outcome? You see? Says Ian Basson, co-founder of Protect Democracy, a nonpartisan rule of law advocacy group. But it's massively important for the country to understand that it didn't happen accidentally. The system didn't work magically. Democracy is not self-executing, self-executing. That's why the participants want the secret history of the 2020 election told. Even though it sounds like a paranoid fever dream, a well-funded cabal of powerful people ranging across industries and ideologies, working together behind the scenes to influence perceptions, change rules and laws, steer media coverage and control the flow of information. They were not rigging the election. They were fortifying it. And they believe the public needs to understand the system's fragility in order to ensure that democracy in America endures. Enough said. My friends, it goes without saying. Powerful elites working behind the scenes to change the rules and the laws, to manipulate the flow of information, to change your perception, is the opposite of democracy. It is what we have seen from fascistic and authoritarian regimes throughout history. And they're telling, they're telling us this. Why? Well, they're getting out in front of it. They're framing everything in a very positive way. They're telling you it wasn't about Trump, but we know it was about Trump because they said they were trying to stop Trump. They were trying to stop Trump's conspiracy theories. They were fighting to stop Trump. But then they they lie. The goal of this is to make sure that you believe the presumably criminal conspiracy Okay, they call it a conspiracy, sure. To assume that these actions were noble and just. It's to write in the history books that those that subverted our rules and changed our laws to rig an election, they did it for good reasons and you should like them. It's like having someone take over your country and then tell you they're the liberators. It's like the United States invading Iraq saying we will be welcomed as liberators, liberators and then having the people reject us and fight us at every turn. It's almost like it's propaganda. If we're engaging in a free and fair election, 
This means that one side does not conspire to change the rules. It doesn't matter who you wanted to win. I, if, if Joe Biden won fair and square, I'm totally fine with it. But he didn't. And they're telling us this. I'm not exaggerating when I read you this. I read you this verbatim. A well-funded cabal of powerful people ranging across industries and ideologies, working together behind the scenes to influence perceptions, change rules and laws, steer media coverage, and control the flow of information. That's how they define it. That's not rigging the election, they say. It's fortifying it. If you steer media, media coverage and control the flow of information, you're rigging the system. If someone doesn't know how to properly win a game and you are feeding key information to their opponents, you're rigging the game. Remember when Bernie Sanders was going to be debating Hillary Clinton and CNN gave Hillary Clinton's people questions in advance? Well, that was called rigging. When information is provided to some people and not others, when certain information is restricted, yeah, I'd call that rigging the system. They're calling it fortifying because they did not want Trump to win. To them, they were defending the system from Trump's fascism. The architect, they say, is Mike Podhorzer, who became, they say, uh, well, the architect. In fall of 2019, Mike Podhorzer became convinced the election was headed for disaster and determined to protect it. This was not his, not his usual purview. For a quarter century, he's a senior advisor uh, to the president of the AFL-CIO, the nation's largest union federation. You know, what I love the pipe fitters who endorsed Joe Biden and then Joe Biden came and shut down Keystone and now they're they're crying. They supported this. The unions supported this. They talked about endless, you know, strategy, political strategy, et cetera. They go on to say Trump's election in 2016 credited in part to his unusual strength among the sort of blue collar white voters who once dominated the AFL-CIO prompted Podhorzer to question his assumptions about voter behavior. He began circulating weekly number crunching memos to a small circle of allies and hosting strategy sessions in D.C. But when he began to worry about the election itself, he didn't want to seem paranoid. It was only after months of research that he introduced his concerns in his newsletter in October 2019. The the usual tools of data analytics and polling would not be sufficient in a situation where the president himself was trying to disrupt the election, he wrote. You see what they said? They said it wasn't about Trump. But Trump was disrupting the election. How was Trump disrupting the election? Trump was working with his people and his campaign to spread information. They thought, let me just put it simply. If you hate Trump, you'll love that they did this. If you like Trump, you hate that they did this. The reality is, to varying degrees, they were both doing similar things. Unfortunately, Donald Trump wasn't doing nearly as much as they were, the Democrats and their allies. The rules were being changed. The media was being manipulated. Groundbreaking stories about Hunter, uh, groundbreaking, earth shattering is probably the right way to put it. Stories about Hunter Biden were suppressed and called fake news by NPR. Twitter actually banned the sharing of vital information. Many people polled after the fact by multiple uh, uh, agencies said that if they had known about Hunter Biden, they would not have voted for Joe. Social media companies sought to suppress this information. And we now know Time magazine is straight up saying it was a conspiracy. The alliance. Securing the vote. The first task was overhauling America's bulky election infrastructure in the middle of a pandemic. That's not true. Mail in voting changes came in Pennsylvania back in October of 2019. Interesting timing. 
For the thousands of local, mostly nonpartisan officials who administer elections, the most urgent need was money. They needed pro- pro- uh, protective equipment like masks, gloves, and sanitizer. They needed to pay for uh, to pay for postcards, letting people know they could vote absentee or in some states to uh, to mail ballots to every voter. They needed additional staff scanners. In March, activists appealed to Congress to steal COVID, uh, to steer COVID relief money to election administration, led by the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights. They say private philanthropy stepped into uh, into the breach. An assortment of foundations contributed tens of millions of dollars. Many people might not know this, but there was a big complaint from some Republicans that Mark Zuckerberg was funding a ton of this personally. Facebook, I believe. Well, I'm, actually, let me let me walk that back. I'm not entirely sure it was personal. But Mark Zuckerberg, they said, was leading the charge, providing resources in the tens to hundreds of millions for these efforts. Voting in the park, vote mobiles, these things have been challenged. And many of the lawsuits Trump brought about were struck down on standing. The lawsuits we saw claiming impropriety or irregularity, not fraud, were thrown out on standing. Now, you can you can argue that Trump had a bad hand and that Trump played his hand poorly. Sure. We never got a legitimate hearing on many of the issues that were brought up in sworn affidavits. Unfortunately, they're thrown out on standing because it seems to many people like a cabal of powerful elites were conspiring behind the scenes to prevent Trump from winning, much like Time magazine is telling us right now. The disinformation defense, they say, Bad actors spreading false information is nothing new. For decades, campaigns have grappled with everything from anonymous calls claiming the election has been rescheduled to flyers spreading nasty smears about candidates' families. That's, that's true, and that's horrible and wrong. Laura Quinn, a veteran progressive operative who co-founded Catalyst, began studying this problem a few years ago. She piloted a nameless secret project, which she has never before publicly discussed, that tracked disinformation online and tried to figure out how to combat it. One component was tracking dangerous lies that might otherwise spread unnoticed. Researchers then provided information to campaigners or the media to track down the sources and expose them. The most important takeaway from Quinn's research was that engaging with toxic content only made it worse. When you get attacked, the instinct is to push back, call it out, say it isn't true. But the more engagement something gets, the more the more the platforms boost it. The algorithms read that as, oh, this is popular. People want more of it. What you need to understand when you read this is that we were told over and over again, that lies and smears, Donald Trump's conspiracy theories, disinformation that must be stopped was, uh, well, it was very dangerous and must be stopped. I bring you now to Mark Elias and the Democrats. Donald Trump's team had claimed repeatedly that voting machines were miscounting ballots or there were errors and ballots weren't being counted properly. That was called disinformation. Donald Trump and his allies had talked long about these voting machines, and now many of them are being sued. Well, right now, we're learning that Mark Elias, a Democrat, is alleging that a Republican won due to voting machines improperly reading ballots. The National Review says, now there is just one remaining unresolved House election involving another Republican woman, Claudia Tenney, in upstate New York's 22nd District, whom Elias is trying to bar from the House despite a 122 vote lead over Anthony Brindisi. And guess what Brindisi's theory in court is? Quote, in this case, there is reason to believe that voting tabulation machines misread hundreds, if not thousands of valid votes as undervotes, and that these tabulation machine errors disproportionately affected Brindisi. This is an election. uh, This is as election lawyers not involved in the case. Nope, far fetched. But it is enough of a pretext for Brindisi to file an appeal 
based on a voting machines stole my election theory. Remember when they said that Donald Trump was lying about this and now they're using the same argument? It's not the first time, apparently. We, uh, Mark Elias did something similar in Iowa recently. We are hearing now that much of what Trump claimed, the Democrats are claiming themselves. And here it is. What we're reading from Time magazine is them telling us exactly what they've done. It's being framed by Time as though noble heroes were stopping disinformation. But if you sift through the propaganda, the story is simple. Partisan elites, not necessarily just on the left, but mostly, with power and access to industry and their allies in tech and big tech suppressed information, made sure you didn't know what was going on, and then changed the rules to make sure Donald Trump would lose. They go on to mention research, spreading the word, and they, they outright show the people who are absolutely involved. People power, the racial justice uprising, the movement for black lives. The best way to ensure people's voices were heard, they decided, was to protect their ability to vote. Strange bedfellows. They talk about never Trumpers, Republican officials who were joining with 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 Democrats, showing up, standing down. Election night began with many Democrats despairing. Trump was running ahead of pre-election polling. He absolutely was. In many states, he won. There were strange anomalies. There were many things that needed to be adjudicated that did not get adjudicated. YouTube will ban you if you make certain claims about voter fraud and irregularity. Now, I don't think we need to make any claims. I'm actually mildly perturbed by people who make YouTube videos asserting what they know to be true. Like what I mean is, were there irregularities? Yes, there were. Bill Barr claimed there was fraud. He said they just not, did not see enough that would have changed the outcome of the election. There were many things that people brought up that I cannot say had been adjudicated to a point where we can determine what they were. I can say, however, that many people have opinions based on what they've read, and they're allowed to. My, my reaction to, say, videos being released showing vans pulling up at certain uh, at the TCF center is not that I know what it was, and I'm not going to say what it was, just that a curious individual might want to investigate what that was. And if we want accountability and justice, we should get to the bottom and, and explain these things. There should be some kind of uh, assessment when we see these stories and irregularities, uh, maybe, maybe not necessarily a commission. You know, we've seen Democrats call for some kind of 9-11 style commission, you know, looking over the election. But maybe when someone makes a claim and there's video evidence, we should at least say, we looked into this. Here's our initial report. Unfortunately, that's not what's happening. And it's not going to happen. Why? Well, it's, it seems reasonable to suggest that uh, a cabal of powerful elites conspired to prevent these things from being adjudicated properly. At least that's the way it's seen. That's the way it seems. My opinion is maybe there was fraud. Like, uh, you know, what I'm saying is I've personally seen evidence of irregularity, potential fraud. That's actually how Matt Brainerd described it. He was the one who uh, he was with the Voter Integrity Project, and he's the one who did the research. I've seen this. I believe it's all potential, but not been adjudicated to the point where I can give you a definitive assessment. The issue is it was all shut down with no opportunity for hard assessment. And that's going to lead to destabilization. It's going to lead to widespread doubt. So probably what we would need is a fair assessment and a breakdown of what this stuff was. We needed to go to courts and we need to be able to talk about it. Well, now we can see that even after all of this, big tech is preventing these conversations from happening. News stories are being suppressed. YouTube channels are being deleted. 
Individuals on Twitter and Facebook have been shut down completely, and it's going to lead to much more rage. And it's going to get worse. They talk about the liberal alliance. They talk about the word going out to protect the results. And, you know, I think you, you, you get the point. They even show when Trump supporters showed up trying to observe the vote counting process because there were widespread complaints that people weren't allowed to observe the vote counting process. And that's true. We can see here they boarded they boarded up the windows. They put up posters and cardboard so people couldn't see. And then what does Time magazine say? Trump supporters seek to disrupt the vote count. We're in trouble, my friends. We're 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 in trouble. The Democrats are currently using the same tactics as Trump did, and I'm not sure it will work. It's far fetched, but claiming that vote machines changed the outcome. We know that there are powerful elites manipulating the system and they're admitting to it and we're supposed to cheer them on. I'm horrified at what this country is becoming. The New York Times is advocating for private messaging apps to be shut down because misinformation can spread. What they're really saying is that individuals can communicate. We've all been locked down due to this pandemic, and we can't communicate with each other. Meanwhile, the platforms by which we communicate are censoring those who say things that they don't like. I think it's worse than Time Magazine lets on. I think it's way, way worse. And I think most of us know it's, it's, it's that bad, and I don't know where this goes, but I'll leave it there. The next segment will be tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. We'll be live discussing much of this. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. The First Amendment is supposed to stop the government from making laws based on your right to speak freely, to report or write freely the press, to practice your religion, to assemble, and for a right to a redress of grievances. The Second Amendment stops the government from infringing your right to keep and bear arms. The Third Amendment stops the government from quartering soldiers in your home. The Fourth Amendment stops the government from performing unreasonable search and seizure. The Fifth Amendment is the right to a speedy trial, as well as remain silent, etc. I plead the Fifth. You, you, you know the point. All of these things have been completely trampled over, but it's not necessarily coming from the government all the time. I think it's fair to say if the Second Amendment says keep and bear arms and you literally can't carry up in any capacity in certain states, they're actually violating the Second Amendment rather explicitly. But I'm going to talk to you about how the corporate corporations are being outsourced to violate our rights. As we move into a more technologically advanced state or society, we become more dependent upon machines and the systems controlled by private entities. So I have never been very much a laissez-faire capitalist or a right-wing individual. I've always been very much in favor of some kind of regulation. Some kind of regulation means protecting your rights. That's about it. The government shall not infringe the rights enumerated in the Constitution, and they should protect our rights from massive multinational corporations who seek to subvert them. Last night, Tucker Carlson presented one of the scariest stories I've seen, but it's not the first time we've seen something like this. He, re he, he reports, Bank of America handed over customer data to feds following Capitol riot. At least one person was interviewed by agents based on info from America's second largest bank. I'll give you the gist of the story. On the 6th, we saw the storming of the Capitol. Of course, Democrats keep making the story crazier and crazier and telling us we're all crazy for calling it out like it was. It was dumb. It was a riot. A cop lost his life. It was a disaster. 
especially for Trump supporters. And a lot of it was befuddled and bewildered, you know, people milling about confused as the police opened the doors. It was a lot of things. Notably, those who entered the Capitol did something really, really stupid. Those who forced their way in and fought with cops did something egregious and wrong. Because of this, Bank of America started searching through their records for people who may have been using their services in and around Washington, D.C. at this time. People who may have bought weapons, who may have stayed at hotels, who may have traveled there. They were violating the rights of individuals and transmitting that information to the feds. Now, they'll argue, as the left often does now, the modern left, it's a private company. They, you gave them your data. It's theirs. They can do what they want with it. Yet you're using their service. You see how insidious this is becoming. We are watching, my friends, fascism take over. I'm not exaggerating. You know, Joe, uh, look, you can call it not fascism. The left tries to change the definition of words because those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. Well, we won't forget history and they know we won't. We will not forget the horrors of World War II. We will not forget the horrors of, uh, of Jim Crow and, and, and slavery. So what do they have to do? They have to change our understanding of what these things were really about. We know what fascism was. Fascism was well, it was basically in Italy. And some describe it as the lucrative merger of corporation and state for, you know, the betterment for the state. Or one way to put it is everything for the state is one way it's been described. Fascism is rooted in the idea of uh, the fascists. I believe that's how you pronounce it. It's a weapon comprised of a bundle of sticks strapped together with a blade. The sticks together, the sticks individually are weak, but together they are strong. That's the general idea. Very similar to the revolution fist, you know, when they hold the, the fist up. The reason why they hold it and show you the fingers forward is it symbolizes that each individual finger is weak, but together it makes a fist. It's very similar symbolism. What's happening now is they are using the idea. Well, they'll tell you it's not fascism. OK, but when every major corporation is now subverting our rights at the benefit of the state. We're looking at it. They claim that fascism is authoritarian nationalism, and that may be the case. But if you look to any of these countries that were fascistic or described as fascist, they were rapidly trying to expand outside of their borders and conquer other places. So when you have the United States and their military enterprise overseas and sending more troops to all these different countries and starting war, and the corporations doing everything in their power to benefit them, even violating your rights and subverting our constitutional rights and our ability to speak. My friends, we are watching a fascist takeover. We have Bank of America giving away your private information. I will never do business with Bank of America ever again. And I'm sure other banks do it, too, to be completely honest. But the, the, these businesses are supposed to protect us. They're supposed to say, we guarantee that we will never turn over your information without a warrant. In this instance, that's not the case. We're seeing a lot more, though. Take a look at this story from The New York Times. Now, most of you probably know that media outlets are acting as propagandists for the fascistic system. The New York Times says, are private messaging apps the next misinformation hotspot? Telegram and Signal, the encrypted services that keep conversations confidential, are increasingly popular. Our tech columnists discuss whether this could get ugly. Private messaging apps? What are they going to do next? Ban telephones? Because people can privately communicate with each other? Yes, that's what they're arguing. It's fascism. I'll tell you what's really fascinating. 
is that Telegram and Signal were touted by the left 10 years ago. But there has been a rapid realignment and transformation. Left doesn't mean anything having to do with activism or anything having to do with economics at this point. I mean, there's strong elements of the left that are, you know, communistic or socialist, etc. But left in this day and age, in our modern society in America, just means do you support the fascists or do you oppose them? And I mean fascists literally. I'm not playing this game that the left play saying you're a Nazi, you're a fascist. No, I quite literally mean that these are people who feel that a lucrative merger of corporation and state for the betterment of the state, all for the state, is a good thing. These are people that cheered for Antifa who burned down and destroyed people's homes and then celebrated the military occupation of Washington, D.C. If it's destroying the little guy and propping up the establishment power elites, they are for it. So maybe fascism, they'll argue it's not a good word. Okay, authoritarian platonomy, plutocracy, a government for by and of the political elites. That's what we're seeing right now. And the New York Times is the epitome of the ivory tower, telling us that our encrypted communications app, that activists and la resistance would need in order to fight against the empire. They're saying it's bad and it's misinformation and must be banned. Anyone who tells you that you don't have a right to privately communicate, I'm sorry, you know exactly what the goal is. It's just subversion and absolute control and authority. My friends, right now, we are in trying times. You can't go out and communicate with your friends and family at, at a bar. You can't, for the most part, you can't. I mean, you still kind of can. You can't go out to certain places and gather. Your First Amendment is gone. No joke, it's completely gone. I'm, I'm, that, that's it. In, in what capacity do you have a right to a redress of grievances? Sure, you can file petitions, I guess. Is anything going to happen if you do? Do you have a right to freedom of religion? Okay, well, in certain capacities, I guess, but you can't go to churches. In New York City, they were hunting down people worshiping in, in, in synagogues. There were police officers shining cameras through the windows of Jewish schools where they were teaching children. Your right to practice your religion is gone. The churches were shut down. Freedom of the press. No, of course not. You're fake news. You must be banned. You will be banned from the system by the private corporations that now control the flow of information. Okay, speech, same thing, man. Speech and the press are restricted now on social media. They are telling you who is and isn't allowed to speak. And they are saying, but I'm a private corporation. There is no town hall anymore. There is no, uh, there, there's no place to gather. People used to gather at churches. They shut those down. People used to gather in public spaces, town hall. You cannot assemble, they say. There's a pandemic. So then you go online to our technological communications infrastructure. They ban your ability to speak. They share your private information with the authorities who then hunt you down and investigate you as a terrorist. And then when they remove you for saying the opinions they don't like, they say it's a private platform. My friends, if we can't gather and peaceably assemble under the First Amendment and we cannot use social media to communicate, I'm sorry, fascism is one. They've literally taken over. There's no question about it. I can't go down to a local bar and talk to people. For the most part, it's not absolute. It's not like there are guards standing there going to beat you and, and throw you into a, a camp or something. No, it's just social compliance. Most people just shut their businesses down. There are some places that have resisted. But I want you to just think about what's happening. The next move they're making is H.R. 127, which would basically restrict, in, in most capacities, gun ownership. It would ban a lot of things, but honestly, I'm not entirely convinced it would pass because it is particularly extreme. 
But considering what we're seeing now, I believe that will be the next step. We saw a record number of background checks performed in January. I think it was like 4.3 million. I don't know if that is uh, new gun owners, probably a lot of them, but it could actually be people who have done background checks multiple times. Full disclosure, I've actually had a handful uh, in January of you know background checks. When you, when you go to buy a gun, they make you fill out a form and they run it through the system and then they tell you if you're good or not. So if you go in one day and you buy a gun, you fill out a form. If you come the next day, you fill out a form. Or it could be more because you can also fill out a form when you're buying multiple guns. So we don't exactly know. We do know there are, there are a lot more new shooters, which uh, to, to, I would say, overwhelmingly a good thing. There, there are some issues. I've talked to a lot of gun enthusiasts who say, you know, you, you will have a problem with a bunch of untrained new shooters. Don't know what they're doing. You got to, you got to, you know, we got to realize that there could be issues here. You, got, you need people to be trained and responsible. But let me show you what this is all about. First, I don't, I don't, I, want, I think I, I gave you the gist of the Bank of America story as Tucker Carlson lays out that they've essentially taken people's private information or handing it over to the feds. One person was interviewed and then cleared. Tucker goes on to say, like, think about how scary that would be to be told that you're being investigated as a terrorist simply for using your credit card while you were in D.C. or buying something. That's crazy. The New York Times is now arguing that private communications is dangerous. The military is being purged a full stand down and they're going to purge extremists in the next 60 days. Sure, they say white nationalist, but they said Trump was a white nationalist and they say you're racist if you support Trump. If you're literally just talking about, say, like bringing jobs back to this country, they're manipulating and they're lying. Now, let me show you where we are headed from the nation. I'm for abolition and yet I want the Capitol rioters in prison. No one deserves the dehumanizing treatment that's endemic to our carceral system. I still want every lawless white supremacist capital insurrectionist to be arrested and prosecuted to the fullest fullest extent of the law. Because of what happened at the Capitol, the military is doing a full purge. They are they are issuing a stand down within the next 60 days. Think about that. A full, full and complete U.S. military stand down. What what does that mean? Are they going to be temporarily leaving their missions, their orders to be vetted in D.C. They said they were going to remove extremists out of a fear that some of these people may actually support the president. We saw some active duty individuals storm the Capitol. The people who got removed in D.C. from the National Guard from their mission were removed for things like having a Gadsden flag license plate or for being a member of the NRA or for posting conservative things on Facebook. These are not people who are white nationalists with crazy tattoos, who are espousing crazy ideology. They're regular people, not even necessarily conservatives. Apparently, many were libertarians. That's what they got removed for. Now we have this article from The Nation from just just yesterday saying every lawless white supremacist, you see what they're doing. Everyone who was at the Capitol, they say, was a white supremacist. Well, clearly that's not true. These people, many of them who stormed the Capitol, like the ones who stormed the Capitol, I think were nuts. And that was one of the stupidest things you could have done. They're blaming Trump for it. Well, Trump's got his incendiary rhetoric. He didn't tell anybody to go do anything. He said peacefully, you know, cheer on politicians. And he said, fight, fight's figurative. Spare me. There was no uh, direct and immediate call to action other than to peacefully cheer for politicians. But I digress. A lot of the people that showed up were regular people there to see the president speak. He was still president at the time. One individual is a psychological operations officer who's under who's put under investigation 
because she went down to see the president's speech. They would say, you know, well, this person's saying white supremacist insurrectionist. They're not saying it doesn't say that every person who did is, but they're starting to blur that line. We've already seen numerous articles claiming that every person who stormed the Capitol was a white supremacist. But what you need to realize is that a lot of the people who entered the building, and again, absolutely stupid and wrong thing to do, walked through open doors with police officers smiling and taking selfies. I've called for the arrest of these officers. No joke. If these people were storming the Capitol, we see one video of a guy in a MAG hat screaming at cops, stop this, call for backup. What are you doing? They're storming the Capitol. And the cops did nothing. We see people smiling and taking selfies with you know, these cops are taking selfies with the people with some of these, these these people who are you know coming in the building. We see cops open the door and let them in. They're saying those people who blindly just walked in are white supremacists. Yes, they've long said that anybody who opposes them is a white supremacist. So we are going to see the mass purging of individuals from institutions, from corporations. We are going to see loyalty tests in the military like they're doing now. I'm sorry, it's just quite simple. Fascism is absolutely taking over in this country. And you know, it was it was actually quite brilliant. The left for the longest time was accusing Trump of being the fascist, even though Trump never actually used any kind of presidential powers other than executive orders. Now, he certainly did use executive orders quite a bit, nowhere near as much as Joe Biden is. Joe Biden has used has has issued, I think, 43 executive orders, and he justifies it by saying, but orange man bad. I wonder, you know, honestly. Donald Trump won in 2016, and they say he wasn't supposed to. My opinion of uh, the elections was that there was no point in voting. I, I, and then most people felt that way. And then Trump won, and it changed my mind. But I have, I have to wonder if it wasn't at least some major benefit to the establishment fascists that Trump did win, because they were the, able then to create a boogeyman, this nasty guy who played into their traps all too often, to be, you know, completely honest. Now, Trump did know how to, you know, he was particularly media savvy, but and, and, and no joke, there was a serious battle against him. But because of Trump, they well, not because of Trump, but the media narratives around Trump, the lies whipped up this frenzy, creating Trump as this ultimate evil. So now that they've defeated him as Joe Biden enters and starts acting as a despot with 43 executive orders in what, a couple of weeks. They say, oh, but he has to do it because Trump was 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 awful and evil. And we have to undo the evil of Trump. The people who stormed the Capitol. Oh, they're all white supremacists. We got to hunt them down and imprison all of them. Let me make this point very clear. When this person for the nation says no one should be in prison except them. Do you see what's happening now? When they say defund the police, they don't really mean defund the police. And we know this. They mean make me the police so I can beat my enemies. When they say police brutality is bad, but then cheer for police beating people they don't like, you know exactly what they want. They're fascists. When they demand the police be defunded or abolished and the prisons be abolished, but then a man in Wisconsin who was in his own home as a mob descended upon him, brandished a firearm, he was arrested. You shouldn't point weapons at people unless you're being threatened, to be fair. But these people who are protesting the police then cheered as the police came to his house and took him from his home and arrested him. The same group of people, a similar group of people led by the same people, set fire to someone else's home previously. So maybe the man did feel threatened and was giving a warning by pulling out the shotgun and saying he was in his house. It was through the window, pointing it in a direction as, as a warning because these people had set fire to someone else's home only what? Like I think like a month before. They won't let you defo- de- defend your home. And it's only going to get worse, mostly because the media, 
The big tech corporations, the political elites and the establishment are working together, and we know they are. Now the big banks are going to share your private information. Do you see where this goes? Make one wrong purchase and they will submit it to the feds. My recommendation to everybody is get out of Bank of America now. Let me tell you something very important. I interviewed Moxie Marlin Spike several years ago. He is the creator of Whisper Systems, I believe uh, Signal, the app they now say is dangerous because they could spread misinformation. Moxie said we need to be able to speak privately for very important liberty reasons. I asked him, you know, if you're not doing anything wrong, is this, this is what they say. If you're not doing anything wrong, then, then, then why do you care if they know what you're doing? You're not going to go to jail, right? And he said, marijuana is illegal in most places and in this country, but many states have legalized recreational marijuana use. How would the people of that state know they wanted to vote for legalizing or decriminalizing, you know, recreational pot use unless they had tried it themselves? How would they know? Many people were breaking the law. And they do every single day smoking pot. Uh, I'm not a big fan. I don't smoke. Uh, I don't drink. I don't do any drugs or anything like that. But I believe that people have a right to, you know, ingest a plant if they so desire. You know, if it's your life, as long as you're not hurting other people. I believe there should be laws against selling to kids and things like that. But adults should, you know, be allowed to do what they want to do, I suppose. Which is why many places are now legalizing recreational marijuana. How would anyone know unless they had done it? And I'll tell you this. It's crazy. You know, growing up. Seeing basically everywhere people smoke, if in, 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 it's seriously illegal. Well, what would happen if you were talking to a friend and you mentioned that you were going to go smoke? The fe- it's still illegal federally. Marijuana is still, I think it's still schedule one, like the worst possible offense. What happens if you send a text message and Google decides to send all of your messages to the gut, to the feds? Because they can, because you've given them that data. Because your messages are not encrypted. And then the feds show up one day and they say, we have grounds for a search warrant against you because of the messages we, we got leaked to us. It's not a violation of the Fourth Amendment. It's terms of service violation, maybe. But you gave that information to Google, to these companies when you did this. Now think about what happens with Bank of America. Let's say you buy something. Bitcoin. Cryptocurrency. There has been talk about regulating crypto. Some countries are banning them. Let's say you try to act out outside the confines of what they say is allowed. Maybe it's something that's not necessarily illegal in most contexts. Maybe you bought a gun legally. But then the Fed say, we don't know if this gun was purchased legally. Therefore, it's probable cause to investigate your home or otherwise. There could be a transaction for a firearm. And because in some instances, those transactions can be illegal, The feds can now say it's probable cause to search your history, your financial records, to subpoena your social media and go into your home and search for everything. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the story of Adam Kokesh. Uh, I could be getting this wrong, but he brought a shotgun to Washington, D.C. He should not have done that. And because of that, they got a search warrant for his home. And I believe what happened was they found mushrooms and then he got in trouble. That's the point. If they have access to your private information, if we are no longer allowed to communicate privately, they will find a reason to investigate you and they will find a way to, con- to say you did something wrong. There's a story of a man who got arrested because he had a Ziploc bag full of laundry detergent, powdered laundry detergent, and they arrested him for it. In his mugshot, he's laughing and smiling, but he still had to go through the system. It took months to clear his name when they, when they did a, a lab test. What happens if they lose it? 
And the police just say, nope, we, we saw it. We, we, we're, we're sure. What happens if they lie? What happens if they want to save face because they don't want to go down as those who did something wrong? What happens if you do something legal and they tell you it's illegal? The easiest analogy for all of this is gun ownership, to be honest. And we have HR 127 coming up. Recently, I've become an owner of many of several firearms uh, over the past year or so. And I've been going to the range. We put up a video on Instagram. You can check it out. Instagram.com slash Timcast, where uh, I was with some friends and we fired a well, I didn't shoot it, but other people fired a 50 BMG breech loading rifle. I think uh, I can't remember what the rifle was. And it's loud and it's powerful. So I, I've, I've come to start purchasing some, some firearms and go to range, go to the, going to the range and learning about them and safety and things like that. There are a lot of laws in many states that make certain weapons illegal. And I have called police officers. I've called sheriff's departments, uh, police departments, sheriff's, uh, sheriff's offices and gun uh, shops and asked them about the legality of certain weapons. And they all say the same thing. I don't know. I don't know. You can go and look at some of these uh, laws, right? You can look up your state database and it's not so easy to understand whether or not what you have is legal or illegal. And I mean that literally. I mean, most of you buy guns probably understand this. There are certain models that are banned for no reason, like confusingly no reason. Certain rifles just aren't allowed. They're called assault weapons, even though they're root. Like there are some like the uh, I don't want to get too specific. But there are some old weapons that are worse than modern weapons that are illegal. And the modern versions of like, uh, say, like a 308, there, there, there are older 308 rifles that are illegal for no reason. They're harder to use. And there are modern, much easier to use 308 rifles that are totally legal. And for, for unknown reasons, this doesn't make sense. So you don't know exactly if what you've done is breaking the law. A lot of people don't. And they say ignorance of the law is no excuse for breaking it. When they give your information away and you say, I didn't do anything wrong, they come back and say, oh, that thing you own in your backyard, you didn't realize that was illegal. And you're like, but I just bought it off the Internet. (laughs) Ignorance of the of the law is no excuse for breaking it. Or what happens if the cop just doesn't know? That's been the most annoying thing. If he shows up and he sees you have a weapon and he says, isn't that called a bump stock? And you're like, no, this is a retractable. stock. No, 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 no. That's a bump stock. You're under arrest. And then it goes to it goes into a system where a bunch of people have no idea how guns work and don't care. And they just say plead guilty or else. A lot of people don't realize this. Most people just plead guilty. That's that's true. Now, don't get me wrong. If you got arrested where they claimed that, you know, your your retractable stock or your folding stock, whatever was a bump stock, then you'd probably win. But what happens if the cop just lies and says, I witnessed them brandishing a weapon with a bump stock. And then you say, I don't have one. And they say that's a lie. And you still get in trouble. What happens when it's your word against the officer and they say this guy was brandishing an illegal weapon and he's hiding it. We couldn't find it. Now, they may it may be that if there's no evidence of you actually possessing something, they can say fine. But what happens if you're not charged with possession? What happens if you're charged with brandishing an illegal weapon and the cop just lies? What happens when they look at your bank records, see that you purchased something, get a search warrant and then lie about what happens because that's what happens in authoritarian systems. I have had police officers lie about me in the past. I was falsely given a speeding ticket when I wasn't speeding, definitively not speeding. I was exiting off Lakeshore Drive in Chicago onto Belmont Avenue. The speed limit, I believe, is 45. And I was slowing down to about 30 to exit. And after I exited, I got pulled over and the cop said, you were speeding. And I said, I was breaking. I was exiting. He says, I don't care. Tell it to a judge. I was, I think, 
20. No, I was like 19. I had no capacity to defend myself in court. When I, when, so what, what could I do other than just pay the fine? It gets worse because then it, result, it resulted in my license getting suspended and they did not tell me that. I had no idea. And then I ultimately got arrested for driving on a suspended license. And they said, that's your problem. This is where we're heading. And you know, what's funny is the, the many of these progressive leftists who cheered on Joe Biden and, and pushed for the censorship have been building up this fascistic system. And they tell us they're the ones fighting fascism. Isn't that brilliant? The Berlin Wall was called the anti-fascist protection rampart. That's literally the name of it from the communists. And they call themselves the anti-fascists. We know where this is going. Anti-fascist doesn't mean they oppose authoritarianism. They're pro-authoritarian, just not for you. But I think they're fascists. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. In my main segment over on my other channel yesterday, I expressed some disdain for the U.S. media apparatus for ignoring the discussion around stimulus checks and instead focusing on the nonsensical hearings over Marjorie Taylor Greene. And I still truly feel that it's not the most important thing for you to hear about, which is why I'll I'll say this very simply. They're not going to be giving you a $2,000 check. It's going to be $1,400 and it's going to be means tested, meaning people who make $50,000 or more will see reduced checks or none at all. That's more important. But, you know, I I do think I was wrong, perhaps a little bit. The story does need to be covered because it's not so much about Marjorie Taylor Greene. It is a distraction, but it shows you how they're going to go after anyone they can in order to gain that uh, distraction to to make that work. Marjorie Taylor Greene, a freshman congresswoman, has a history of saying really dumb things and really offensive things. And she apologized for them and said she was wrong. She then went on to criticize the media. She has been kicked off her committees over embrace of conspiracy theories. Well, to put it simply, many new new bills will go through a committee where the people will vote on it, and then it can go for a floor vote, and then it can move on to the Senate, et cetera, et cetera. Not being on a committee means she will not be able to vote on particular legislation. Not that it entirely matters. Marjorie Taylor Greene came out and said, so what? The Democrats control the House anyway, so what's the point? And I guess so. The Democrats don't want a Republican bill getting through, then it probably won't. And that's exactly the problem here, the real problem with everything. Now, I will tell you, we have some very disturbing news coming from Time magazine, where they basically admit to a secret cabal conspiracy to rig the elections or something. I'm going to get into that in the next segment, because for the, with this one, I want to make sure I talk about what we saw last night and how it's going to impact us. And, and at four, I will be going over the insanity that is the rigging of the election. But look, Marjorie Taylor Greene is a freshman congresswoman that doesn't deserve this level of scrutiny. What we're seeing is the Democrats will take any opportunity to remove their political opponents without legitimate process. Okay, now, now, now hold on. They held a vote and they and the House voted to kick her off. The problem is it's for things she did before she got elected, things that she apologized for and she was elected for her district. They have now stripped the representation away from her district. Do you see where this is going? I've been warning for a long time and I am getting sick and tired of this. But now the Democrats with the power They've gained, they lost a decent portion of their House seats, but they still control the House. Now they control the Senate. They're going to start the purges. 
Getting rid of Marjorie Taylor Greene is low hanging fruit, but they're trying to get rid of Ted Cruz and Hawley and, well, all of the Republicans. They want uniparty control and they are going that direction. They are saying they are going to take the military and, and, and purge, purge them, ordering a full stand down order in the next 60 days to weed out extremism. Well, if Marjorie Taylor Greene's silly opinions and offensive, offensive comments are, are the grounds, then it's going to get really, really bad. Some of the people who got removed DC from the National Guard were just having the Gadsden flag. Here's the story from The Hill. House votes to kick Green off committees over embrace of conspiracy theories. House Democrats on Thursday took the extraordinary step of voting to strip committee assignments from a member of the opposite party, saying Rep. Marjorie Taylor Greene had forfeited her right to those seats by endorsing conspiracy theories, racist dogma, and violence against Democratic politicians well before she was elected. You see what's happening? Cancel culture. They'll go into your past. There is no room for redemption because they don't care. Stop acting like there's a double standard that matters. I hear it all the time from moderates and conservatives. It's a double standard. It's not fair. They don't care. And you're sitting there saying referee and the referee's laughing because he's a Democrat. They're cheating in front of you. They just kicked out a Republican. They're going to do it again. They say lawmakers passed the resolution. Mind you, Republicans, 11 of them sided with the Democrats. Lawmakers passed the resolution largely among party lines, 230 to 199, to remove Green from the House Education and Budget Committees after Republicans declined to take action against her themselves. 11 Republicans crossed the aisle in a rare rebuke of a colleague from their own party. Mario Diaz-Balart of Florida, Brian Fitzpatrick, Carlos Jimenez, Chris Jacobs, John Katko, Young Kim, Adam Kinziger, Nicole Maliotakis, Maria Elvira, Sala, uh, Elvira Salazar, Chris Smith, and Fred Upton. The debate over Green's fate has become emblematic of a larger brawl over the direction and future of the Republican Party in a post-Trump Washington. The former president has moved to Florida. His Twitter account shut down, but remains an enormous influence over GOP-based voters drawn to the nationalist no apologies persona that defined his time in the White House, a mold Green has assumed with Trump's enthusiastic support. Democrats implored the GOP to hold members of Congress to what they think should be a minimal standard, that anyone who has endorsed political violence or embraced conspiracy theories like QAnon, whose supporters attacked the Capitol on January 6th, had no business serving on committees. Look, threats of violence are wrong. Absolutely. This is these are things that happened before she got elected. That's my understanding at the very least. Many people called out uh, Republicans were saying the resolution against her didn't actually cite anything she really said. And everything that she did say happened before she got elected. If you do something as a member of Congress, I can understand censure or expulsion. This is just them targeting anybody who may be a visage of Trumpism. They say House Republicans, wary of angering the GOP base that embraces Trump and Green, have stepped to her defense. While condemning Green's incendiary comments, they also maintain that most were made before she became a member of Congress and therefore should be disqualifying. Republicans further warn that Democrats were setting a dangerous precedent, with the majority party taking unilateral action to dictate the minorities committee roster. I think you are frankly overlooking the unprecedented nature of the acts that you've decided upon and where they may lead us when the majority changes, said Rep. Tom Cole, the senior Republican on the Rules Committee. What do you think is going to happen next? 
What happens in 2022 when Republicans take the House? Will they all just start voting to remove people? Why not? Why not? A tit for tat. That's where we're headed. They'll definitely get rid of squad members. Why not just start expelling people? How long until the Democrats start doing it? They say, given the extraordinary nature of Green's past stances, Democrats said they had no qualms about setting an institutional precedent Thursday. If any of our members threaten the safety of other members, we'd be the first ones to take them off a committee, said Speaker Nancy Pelosi. And that is an outright lie. How many of the Democrats supported the riots? So shut up. Oh, but I guess you said other members. They are elites, as it, as it were. Relegated to the minority after losing the White House, Senate and House, Republicans are trying to maintain what House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy described as a very big tent. Oh, you know what? Shut up. I don't care about McConnell or McCarthy. These people are spineless, pathetic losers. Losers. I don't care. The Republicans are trash. They've, they've always been trash. And I only defended them insofar as Donald Trump was proposing some good things I liked. And the Democrats are proposing really, really bad things. The Republicans down ticket on, 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 in the 2020 election got my vote simply for not being Democrats and because a Democratic majority meant insane garbage. But as if I would support them directly, they got a ah, the Democrats are worse vote from me. Donald Trump got Donald Trump from me got a well, I'll take the things he's offering, banning critical race theory, his later efforts to remove trips in the Middle East, the Abraham Accords, there was and, and the booming economy of 2019. There were things I liked about what he was doing. The Republican Party, garbage party. I won't vote for. I got to be honest, I probably won't ever vote again. We'll see how things play out. But uh, look, my friends, it's only a matter of time before they absolutely nuke this channel. I know I say it in almost every video, but you need to listen because it's true. What we are seeing now with the purging of Marjorie Taylor Greene is a newly elected freshman congresswoman being purged for past bad statements. And they're bad. I get it. It's cancel culture. It's getting worse. They're, they're, they're doing a cancel culture wave over the entire military, every branch, a full stand down. That's insane. I hear that National Guardsmen are demoralized, but I don't know. I, got, I, I, heard, I heard there are people in D.C. serving in the National Guard who say they're demoralized. And I'm just like, I don't care, dude. If, if, if look, with all due respect, if you're going to follow illegal orders that you think are illegal and you don't care, then why am I going to come to your defense? If you're somebody who votes for this over and over again, you expect me to come to your defense? I'll defend the principle. I'll defend the individuals who stand on principle. But the reality is you've got a lot of people who just don't care. They'll pretend to care and then they'll keep just walking along. That's the Republican Party. Spineless, pathetic losers. Have they fought for you? Have they fought for what you wanted or have they just sat back and said Democrat bad the entire time? And don't get me wrong. Look, I voted for some of these people. And the reason was uh, Democrats are bad. But as for an actual opposition party to the Democrats, they don't provide anything other than a placeholder. That's it. Now that the Democrats have decided to further their offensive action, accusing the rest of the GOP of being QAnon supporters, they say they're going after Lauren Boebert. They will remove her next and they'll keep doing it because it's about raw power. Double standards are meaningless to people who have no shame. And they like to say the same thing about Republicans. <laughs> you know what? Democrats, leftists, please roast the Republicans all day and night because they're garbage, pathetic losers. And I don't care. The reality is we have a corrupt political class that will do anything to remove anyone who dare stand in their way. There we go. 
Now we have AOC using her speech in Congress to accuse critics of trying to discredit her claim that she is making a mountain out of a molehill. After she is hit by claims, she exaggerated her account of MAGA riot. Y'all can just shut your mouths, you pathetic morons. Every single person, I am sick of this. I'm talking about the media. I'm talking about the Democrats and those who would defend AOC. Now, for the rest of you, the people who are railing on her, please do some research because I made this mistake first. Well, maybe not first, but I made this mistake following the news. They say AOC was not at the Capitol when the riots happened. So what was her story really about? Her story was about before the building was even breached. She was panicking because someone knocked on her door. What a, what a, you know what, man? I'm just so sick of all of it. I really, really am. The culture war is just getting worse. Nothing is getting solved. And people just want retribution of some kind. Emotional satisfaction for their tribe. Marjorie Taylor Greene said dumb things. But AOC fabricated a story. And now I go on Facebook and I'm just, you know what, man? I'm just sick of it. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of it. I see tons of people who are not leftists saying, well, you know, AOC was scared and I can respect it. And so I'm just copy and pasting responses. Ocasio-Cortez in her Instagram video says at 1.01 p.m., she actually gives us a timeline. The cop banged on her door. The Capitol building wasn't breached until 2.10. The rioters didn't reach the House chamber doors until 2.30, and they didn't evacuate the House chamber until 2.39. Ocasio-Cortez was never anywhere near any of this. And at the time of her story, no one breached any building. No one even knew the buildings would have been breached. Go watch her Instagram video. She says at 1.01 p.m. Then just read the New York Times timeline. At 12.10, rioters breached the Capitol building. At 1 o'clock, there was no attack on the doors of the buildings. There was fighting between Trump's, uh, uh, some of the Trump people and police at the first barricades. That was it. AOC claimed, I thought they got in. I know I'm rehashing a little bit of this, but I really need to make sure you guys know what actually went down with her lies. She lied. It's definitive. She lied. As a statement of fact, I will say that she lied. She went on Twitter and said the evacuation that, you know, they had to evacuate everybody because of the riots. AOC got evacuated because of a bomb scare. If she wanted to say it was scared because there were bombs, sure. But she said, quote, she said she thought to herself, quote, they got in or inside or something like that. She made it up. So now as they're removing a Republican for having bad opinions, Nothing happens to AOC or Ilhan Omar or any of these people. Why? Because they control it. They want it. They own it. They've owned it for a long time. And we've been sitting here pointing it out and it's done nothing. For whatever reason. I think the reason is the Republican Party does not really represent conservatives or Republicans. And I'm just going to I'm just look, I'm pissed off. But Republican voters, many of them are too stupid to realize that they're being manipulated by the Republican Party. Now, Trump voters came along. Many of them were not Republicans. Many of them were. They were new voters and they voted for Trump and they didn't really like the Republicans all that much. But there are too many stupid Republican voters who keep voting for these people who sell them out to the Democrats and keep giving the left what they want. Meanwhile, this is what you get from the really, really dumb YouTube type lefties that are like, Joe Biden's not a socialist. The conservatives really think Joe Biden's going to bring about the far left. 
It's not that Joe Biden is going to bring about the far left. It's about the fact that Joe Biden, for one, is a corporate neolib who's going to sell out anybody he can to whoever he wants to make money. He's an authoritarian and fascistic individual. And the issue is, yes, he's going to implement further left policies. Look, anybody who claims Joe Biden's a socialist is a moron. And anybody saying Antifa are Democrats is also is also lying or stupid. Antifa hates Joe Biden. But Joe Biden does give them a bit of what they want. Kamala Harris did try to bail them out or at least solicited donations to help them. They will use them to get what they want. So, no, we're not going to see a full blown socialist takeover from Biden, but he's going to cave a bit to the far left in some ways. That's the erosion. I'm sick of the bad faith BS. What's happening is that Antifa gets, gets to do whatever they want. They get away with it. They don't get arrested. I'm sorry, they get arrested and they don't get prosecuted. And then Biden and Kamala will implement only some leftward policies. The Republicans will fight for literally nothing. Meanwhile, young socialists scream and cry how they deserve more from the government and how the government doesn't give them enough of what they want. And how the left is, is, is losing and the Democrats are actually far right. Meanwhile, the Democrats actually support the left, not as much as they'd like. And it just shows you the erosion, the Overton window shifting further and further left until finally the cliffs erode and everything just falls apart. Fascism is here, my friends. It's not an exaggeration. It's it, fascism is here. Yeah, they want to ban private messaging apps. They're advocating against encrypted communications. They're arguing that effectively you talking to someone is dangerous because you could spread misinformation. They want to spy on you. They want to know what you are saying and they want to stop you from being, being able to say things they don't agree with. They lobby the big tech companies to censor information so you can't know what's going on. It is fascism. It is supporting an authoritarian political party for American interests. And it was the anti-fascist morons who voted for it, defending Joe Biden like morons when he has always been an establishment crony elite, imperialist, fascistic, whatever. And it was the progressives who said, he, you have to do it. Oh, I'll, 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 I'll name some names. I mean, you had Contra points, for instance. I like Contra. She, she makes good content, but she was like, you have to vote for Joe Biden. <laughs> you have to vote for the authoritarian wingnut who oversaw uh, Iraqi operations and his brother made millions and who was part of the administration that blew up American citizens and bombed kids. Great. No, no, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, she should have been advocating for uh, Donald Trump. Fine. I get it. And, and, you know, those arguments about did it really matter because Trump did a lot of bad things? Well, I'll tell you this. We had at least the Abraham Accords under Trump. That's the best we could have gotten, I suppose, if compared with Joe Biden, because Joe Biden's a, a psychotic despot. You had people like Vosh, for instance, who claims to be a lefty who makes drama videos about people like me. Not, not you know, videos. Well, he makes drama videos and he complains about other YouTubers. And he advocated uh, he was acting in defense of Antifa and the violent riots and in defense on Twitter of the militarized occupation of Washington, D.C. These people, look, if you if you advocated for Joe Biden because you were scared of Trump, well, great, you've been fleeced. Trump was not a desperate. He Trump was just a wild card, and he didn't know what he was doing half the time. And a lot of people thought it was 4D chess. Sometimes Trump had good plans and good plays, and often he didn't. And he struggled to get anything done. The Abraham Accords were great. I love it. Peace in the Middle East, to the best of our ability. Sure, fine. He was trying later on to pull our troops out of the Middle East, but he did, incre- he did increase drone strikes. Not a perfect person, but way better than Biden for a lot of reasons. Now we have Biden. He lied to you about your checks, and this is where we're at. 
What do you call it when someone advocates for the destruction of the working class, when rioters go around smashing up small businesses and then defend 25,000 armed shoot to kill guardsmen in Washington, D.C.? What do you call it? What do you call it when they support the party that called for crew serviced machine guns in D.C.? At least according to Ken Cuccinelli, he said Nancy Pelosi asked about getting those. He said, that's crazy. We can't do that. I call it fascism. I call it fascism when the corporations in the state are acting in concert for the benefit of one political party that blows up kids and sign the indefinite detention provisions and already reopened the detention facility for children on the southern border. And all of you people who voted for that, I think you supported a fascist. Joe Biden's reopening the, 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 the minor migrant detention center. Oh, no, Trump closed it and Biden brought it back. The checks he promised you are now means tested and going down to $1,400. We hear that there, there's rumors of a possible military incursion happening in Syria. We can fully expect Joe Biden to ramp everything up in the Middle East. What person in their right mind would vote for the military occupation of D.C.? The mass censorship by social media companies now of many progressive channels. That's right. Progressives are getting banned. All of these people who supported this, this, this institution, this, this establishment, have brought this on themselves. And I can say this, welcome to the fight. I hope you're willing to, to push back on it now, but they probably won't be because many of these people are grifters. Their goal is to just sell you tribalism. And that's what we're going to get. The left will continue to get away with whatever they want. The AOC will make up stories and be called out a million times, but it won't matter. And it's only going to get worse. And I'll tell you how it gets worse. Time magazine has put out an article claiming that there was a conspiracy among a secret cabal to subvert the election through manipulation rule changes, the changing laws, changing perception. I'm not kidding. Time Magazine actually said it. I'm going to cover that at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast, and I'll see you all there.